Well, and it's funny because, you know, it's like we kind of just hit record and it's this is a conversation we would have had anyway <laughs> while walking home from a community event. <laughs> hey, friend, it's David Nabinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Taylor Harrington, the head of community at Groove, a community-centric startup helping people get work done. I've known Taylor for a few years, initially through the Akimbo Workshops community founded by Seth Godin, where Taylor used to work. Uh, In the last year, particularly in New York City, we've become closer friends and peers, and I hope this conversation reflects that for you. In this episode, you'll learn about both of us reflecting on our roles as community professionals for a little bit more than a year. We talk about what our roles look like for her at Groove and me at the Chief of Staff Network, questions to ask yourself when looking at and into community professional roles, throwing events, building personal communities, and so much more. As always, this episode with Timestamp Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend source job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Taylor. Cool. Taylor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. I've listened to so many episodes and I know so many people that have been on. This is like my moment I've been waiting for. So thank you. Okay. Now, now there's a lot more pressure now. Now, now. (laughs) Uh, Let's take it away. We're going to have fun. (laughs) Cool. Um, Did you groove today, by the way? Multiple times. It was really energizing. I had so much shit to get done. It's a Monday. So of course I had to groove and get, get a couple of sessions in. Okay. Well, I want to talk about, I remember we grooved together mm-hmm. in August of 2021, which is right around the time I started a new job. And mm-hmm. and I thought that'd be like, just, I don't know, an interesting place to start because of, we wanted to talk about kind of reflecting on one year-ish in our, in our roles and stuff. So yeah. Do you remember that groove? I actually very vividly remember it because... I moved to New York City right around August of 2021, and I was trying to find a space outside of my tiny apartment to work in. I know we've talked quite a bit about co-working spaces and kind of getting out of your normal realm of, you know, being in your bedroom while you work and things like that. And as a young person in New York, my apartment isn't very big. And I remember I was testing out these different WeWorks in the area because my company offered to pay for a WeWork pass so I could have that space to walk to. I needed that separation, especially as a community leader of like, I'm going to be bringing all these people into my day. I need like a place to go to so that they can live there and I can live in my separate space when I come home at night. And so I was testing out all these WeWorks. And I remember this WeWork that I was in when we were there. And I, I that's like a whole other story of why I didn't like that WeWork. But I very vividly remember getting into our first group together while I was mad at my community experience at this new WeWork. <laughs> I think, I don't know the details as much, but I think during Groove, there's a little bit of a, like a quick check-in. And I feel mm-hmm. like during that check-in, I think I said like, yeah, I'm working on trying to get speakers to this conference. And I think it was a little bit of like a, you know, uh, a like I just kind of shared this a little bit and I don't think that you really um, kind of reflected on it too much or kind of maybe might've caught you off guard a little bit or you're like, oh, that's interesting. But it was like right after I had started a new job. And then a couple of weeks later, then I like kind of like announced it and you were like, wait, what? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> so I remember uh, that was, that was fun. And, and at that time I was, you know, working on putting together, um, 
a conference. And anyways, so it's just funny. And I wanted to get your perspective on, so obviously been over a year in this, in this new role and have really, you know, helped build the product, helped build the company and really been at like kind of the intersection, like co-creating a new community. Um, How do you think about that role and how do you compare it to call it other kind of community roles that you may see or your friends may do? Mm. Okay. I think there's a couple of pieces to this. So I think we are both similar in this way that we're community people at our core. And I do think among the world of community professionals, there are folks who somehow stumbled into this space and they love community and they also are more like analytically focused or they are like, oh, it's still to me, like I'm going to like shut it off at the end of the day. I think some of the roles within community, for example, if you're like um, maybe in partnerships, like you're really amped up about community partnerships, that might not be so identity focused. And so that's what I'm trying to get to is I feel like the role that I have is very identity focused. And I think that yours might be as well. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but I feel like I feel like this personal enrollment in, in making this come to life and like um, really seeing it through. I mean, as you said, it's been just over a year now. A, a year was in June of 2021. So now it's like, I don't know, 16 months. That's hard math. Um, <laughs> and and I think that like now it's it's really interesting to see it really has gone from like zero, a really small community of just a few friends, investors, whatever, to like this group of hundreds of people that are gathering and it's really special and people are connected around the world. And so I think I like, as, as we've talked about, I'm just so invested in it as a human because it's so in line with who I am and the mission of what I want to bring in the world, the change I want to make in the world. So I think that's, I guess the biggest, yeah, the biggest piece for me. Um, and what was the, what was the question again, just to go back? Yeah. How do you, how do you think you compare that to call it other it sounds like it's the identity piece. How do you yeah. compare it to like kind of other community roles? And um, yeah, for someone that's like, maybe I guess the better question is like, knowing what you know now a year into this, like what kind of questions would you ask or have other people think about if they were interested in being a community manager, head of community or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know where I was going with this too is it's an early stage startup. I was the first full-time hire. So um, when you're joined with two co-founders that are based on the other side of the world and you're like, all right, here we go. Like, <laughs> I was so nervous about joining this role, but I was also so amped up about it. So it was this really difficult decision in some ways, because I was like, I'm going to be fully remote in a country without any coworkers as of right now. And I was really riding on possibility when I said yes to this of, this is what it is right now. And this is what it could be. And this is what I could see feeling once this thing really go, you know, gets going, because even though I wouldn't have coworkers with me physically, part of the whole thing of Groove is that I would feel connected to this wider world by coworking with people on the app. And so it was a lot of like leaning into what could be. And so I think for a lot of community roles, you're not looking at them at that early of a stage. Um, For so many of them, they've developed it further um, and the community isn't the product. So it's just, there's a lot of factors at play here for why my experience is unique in the way that it is. Um, but I think if I were to look back at, you know, someone who wants to get into this role, um, I think there's a few questions that I would, I would think about. And one of them was when I was looking for a community role, one of the hardest learnings that I had figured out pretty much through doing a bunch of interviews was who did I want to spend my time with? 
who did I want my community members to be? And I think that if you're looking for a community role, that would be the biggest question I would answer right off the bat, because it took me a few months, I would say, actually, to really figure out who that was. And if I could have sped up that process, um, I, well, I mean, I guess that's the thing. It's like, if I could have sped up that process, I wouldn't have ended up a group. <laughs> but I think that finding that clarity is what I needed in order to find groove. And if I hadn't found that, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, and so it took some really hard saying no's to opportunities that were, you know, uh, earlier on things that I could have said yes to. So that's a question I would be thinking about if you want to go into this space is who do you really want to spend your time with? Because those community members are really going to dictate that. Yeah. Does that make sense? How about yeah. for you? Yeah. I think like, I think that I looked at this role similar to the way that you kind of shared there in terms of like, okay, is there possibility here? Like for me, it was like, this is an existing community um, I identify as a generalist to chief of staff. I've had three kind of chief of staff like roles. So it felt like I had call it role experience to be able to like uh, connect with and and relate to uh, the people in the community. But also mm-hmm. like I didn't really know what it was like. And so similarly to you of like kind of building the product, building the company, building the startup, to me, it also felt like there's uh, an element of like, possibility as well. And then once I kind of learned more and stepped into it, and I didn't really know this as much in the beginning, but like, then I was like, okay, here, here's an opportunity to kind of like take this to another level or take it to another chapter, so to speak. Um, and so that's been really fun. I, I really, I know that you really like the term kind of community uh, architect. Yeah. I had a friend and I want to hear more about that, but I had a friend that was like, David, I kind of see you as like a community catalyst. And mm-hmm. I know the stories we tell ourselves are so powerful, Um, and so when I heard that as I think he may like talked about that, like right when I was in the beginning of the role and he was like, dude, this is perfect for you. Like you're a community catalyst. And I was like, wait, so I can post memes. And and he's like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. But anyways, I was like, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, he's like, yeah, I think that that's your, a sweet spot of yours is like taking something that's already going and adding a little bit of different energy flair, you know, next version, uh, kind of thing. Um, so I really like that. I don't know if there's job titles like that out there, mm. community catalyst or whatnot, but it's, it, when I heard that it was empowering because then it helped me like understand more and more of like what I like to do and what people reflect back to me of like kind of how I show up and how I could bring that to the role. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because, you know, it's like we kind of just hit record and it's this is a conversation we would have had anyway <laughs> while walking home from a community event. <laughs> but it's funny because, um, like you said, I think that the, um, the the piece here of what you're describing of what stage is this community in is what I was trying to get to with my first yeah. point here around like I didn't adopt the house. I helped architect it. Um, and so sometimes you're going to come into a community where it's at a specific stage. So not only was I learning through my process of finding this role, like, oh, these are the people I want to be around. And then similar to what you described, recognized, oh, wait, this is me too. I'm also lonely working from home. I'm also craving connection. You know, at what a lot of the things that I would describe for a groover is who, you know, I identify with as well. So that's where it feels like you're really invested in this mission of where this goes. And when you come in early stages like this, um, it is different because you really are building that foundation the way that I talk about with the community architects. So 
you know, the way that I really think about it there is, and it's funny because I actually heard this term for the first time a couple of years ago from Carly Valancey, who I know has been on your podcast before and is a mutual friend. Shout out uh, Carly. Yeah. Shout out to Carly. Um, and so, you know, really a community architect is the idea that my role is to really build the blueprints and work with the product team since we have a community led product or actually like it's not even community led product. It's a product that is community um, to co-work together to build something that's really, really special. And the key of, you know, when I, I like thinking about it with the house, because if we had the blueprints and the product team and I walk in and we're like, all right, you guys are going to start building these walls. I'm going to grab, you know, the door frame. We're going to start building this together. I don't want the product team to be hanging out in the shed building this thing without me. No, they've got to be right in the house with me. So that's why this analogy works really well. And then once we've got the bare bones of the house, we can open up that door and have community members start to come in and build the rest with us. So we can have someone say, God, I'd love if this wall was painted purple. And for someone else to say, why don't we bring in a green velvet couch? That sounds like a lot of fun. And so you start to really build this together. And so that's why I really love the analogy of it is I didn't show up and the house was already built and up for sale. I showed up when it was just a plot of land. Yeah. Yeah. And this, you know, this, I think like ties into like some of the reflections I had about, you know, one year so far, and I know you want to challenge me on one of mine, but for me, it was around like getting to be, to, to, to be like me uh, as kind of soon as possible. It feels like in your case, that was like day zero or uh, there was no other kind of existing state, so to speak. So mm -hmm. you automatically had to do that. So for me, I think like getting more and more comfortable and being more, I say like, you know, being more like me as soon as possible um, helped me kind of, I think hopefully add value, but also like move things forward, et cetera. And what's interesting is that a, that a lot of that stuff was like through that I was how I was feeling or operating or things I was doing was, was was some of the stuff that I like either learned or practiced or developed through some of the, you know, Akimbo workshops and stuff. So pretty cool for this all yeah. to kind of come well, full circle. And to really bring it full circle, I think the piece of that that I would say I experienced in that early stage regarded to that identity is really, what do I keep just for myself? And so I kind of kept coming back to that, that lesson, not even that question, but that lesson. And the reason I bring it in here is I think that Seth Godin, who, who we know from Akimbo and Alt-MBA, <laughs> um, he does a great job of that in his blog where he keeps his personal life and his family life quite private. Uh, you don't see a blog post that's about his son too often, if ever, or his wife, you know, so it's really interesting because there are those boundaries that you put in place um, as someone who is available in a lot of different ways. Uh, as a community leader, you're often very available. As someone who's grooving from my apartment sometimes, it's a very interesting thing to be like, hello, everyone, this is my living room. <laughs> Just tuning in here and people ask, oh, would you do this weekend? You get the opportunity to choose what do you share with them in order to keep those boundaries and to still feel like you have things that are just for yourself. And I think that's a lesson that I've continued to, to learn. Um, one of the ways I, I also learned this was tried starting a newsletter last year. I wrote it twice and then I hit pause because something wasn't feeling right for me. Mm. And I called it the giving plate. And the reason was uh, a giving plate is this thing I saw on Etsy. I used to be an Etsy store owner. So I spent a lot of time on there. And on the plate, people would make, would take a plate and they would either paint or use a Sharpie and they'd write down these instructions of like, this, this is what you should do with the giving plate. So if I went to David's house and I brought 
brownies, then now, David, you would have the, the plate and you could bring it over to another person's house and the plate would keep on moving. And so the idea was you'd keep on making memories with this plate and keep on passing it around. And so I started this newsletter out of like, I don't want to hoard the, I don't want to hoard the plate. I want to keep giving the plate. And so I thought I have all these ideas or all these things that are happening in my life, moving to New York and like events that I'm going to and people I'm meeting. And I just want to give it all and like generously share it with everyone. And as I wrote it, I started to realize what am I doing? Like I need to keep mm. some things just for myself. I can't always be giving up all these different pieces of me. Of course, if someone asks me something, I'll, I'll share it. But there's this interesting thing as a community leader that I'm still learning of what is just for me and what is for like my private life and what is for Taylor, the community builder to show up um, and share all the time. You know, there, and we've talked about this before too. I've been trying to be more of a participant of life and go to some different events um, where I'm not leading and I'm not bringing five people I know to them because I need to refuel as a participant sometimes and not as a leader or not as someone always bringing people together. And for those events, I don't tell a lot of people where I'm going or that I've done them because I need that space. That's that's private. That's just for me to um, keep sacred for the purpose that it has in my life. So that's something that I'm continuing to learn is, is how much of myself to share with the community and, and the wider world. And has that evolved? Yeah, definitely. I think that I'm more aware of it now in the last few mm. months, especially. I didn't have the words for why I stopped the newsletter last year, um, but it really, I think, has become that. And it's not that like I'm, it's not that I'm, again, it's it's like this interesting line of like, well, I'm not an open book, but I sort of am. <laughs> like people who ask me like, oh, what are you up to? I think I'm always sharing funny stories and things. And I'm always um, telling them this is what I'm thinking about and things like that. And I think that there's also a piece of me that's realizing I just need to protect like a little piece of Taylor that doesn't need to always be sharing everything with everyone. Yeah, I like that. And you mentioned how, like one thing that I think has been really cool to see also, like it's interesting, like you talked a lot about like the identity of the work that you're doing, creating space, but then also like create professional communities and uh, events and stuff like that. And it seems like that's fueling you. And mm -hmm. it seems like that is also probably helping you in your existing work too. Um, yeah. But I would just love to hear, like, that's how I feel. Like I've been doing, um, as, as you know, kind of live podcast events. Um, and that's been Which a real- great for all of the listeners who may want to come to one. I highly recommend them. They're awesome. <laughs> And that's been a really fun way to like, you know, experiment, try something new, like test things, et cetera, um, have a great event and time and bring people together and stuff. But it seems like you've been doing the same as well. I don't know. Maybe it's like after a little while, you kind of got up to speed in the role and then you were like, okay, now I also want to like do other things and create other events and bring other people together. Yeah. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, totally fair. And I think that Part of it too is getting comfortable in a new city. Like when mm. I moved, uh, when I started my job, it was like I said, June of 2021. And then I moved to New York in August of 2021. So yeah, I think I just got settled in the role, but also in the city. And I think realizing that the type of connection that I wanted to have isn't easy to come by. Um, I, my coworker Brandy and I talk a lot about third places and I just think that this idea of there being like an, a place to gather that's not as quick and as unintentional as like, let's go and grab drinks at happy hour. And it's so loud and that type of thing. Like, 
how can you really curate a space for really meaningful connection, which I think is what we've bonded about a lot. Um, and I realized like, maybe I just need to take it into my own hands and do it myself. And I think that the key is being really intentional about it. So I've very much done this uh, similar to how I do work where I've run, thing as, run things as experiments. What happens if I test X? And what if I text, test Y next time? And what if I invite these people? But what if I add in this person? What if I, you know, I took inspiration from one of your events, which I think actually was also a tip from Nick Gray um, and his book, Two Hour Cocktail Party, but uh, to put a post-it in the elevator um, so I put a post-it in the elevator and I was like, have a great night and, and put a little smiley face. And there's three elevators in my building. So I had to put it in all three, which is sort of funny waiting for all of them to sync up to come to my, <laughs> to my floor. So I was like, don't second elevator. I already put the post-it in you. Do not come back to my floor. <laughs> um, but that everyone felt welcome. So I test different things each time as I, as I host things, whether it's in my apartment, I have, you know, some gatherings that I have with some of my girlfriends in the city or professional events um, where I've tested different things like these community picnics, going to a brewery. What is it like if I try something new and constantly just learning from that? But like you said, I do think that the piece of it that keeps me like fueled and it not feel like work is I'm just having fun with it. I don't have to do it. And I think that's the key is it's I'm doing it because I want to and because I love it. If someone said you had to schedule six of these events in the year, boom, automatically changes my entire intentionality around the entire thing. And now it feels like work. And right now it doesn't feel like work. And so I think I need to continue to play with that because I know that the moment I change that, if I were to charge for something to make money off of it, if I were to, um, you know, put myself on the line for when, how many events need to happen, it just changes it. It makes it more stressful and it adds another element to it. Um, how are you kind of doing that? Cause I feel like you've been hosting a lot of events in, in quite a short period of time. I think that I've been con- trying to continue a kind of a once a month experiment. Mm. And I think that I started that actually it was kind of like an aha, like last it was March of twenty. 20. Wow. And it was right around the time uh, I published episode 100. And then at that time, I like brought some people together to like celebrate that. And then I was like, wow, this was this was fun. People came. And then I tried to keep doing some experiments like that virtually and then kind of continued it a little bit in 2021. I mean, I did continue it kind of this once a month. The experiments look different, but generally it was around kind of like some type of personal community building effort. And then, um, and then, yeah, I think I just kind of feel like I've found a little bit of a something, this, this live podcast social event. And it Mm -hmm. kind of feels like prior experiments were really helpful and fun, but now it feels like I've found something that I want to like keep doing. And I I want to, similar to what it seems like with your community builders in New York city event series is kind of like found something and you kind of want to like keep doing it and you want people to kind of know that you're kind of keep doing it because there's benefits from being consistent kind of thing. So that's kind of where mm-hmm. I'm at with this. So it's almost like it is still an experiment, but I also like want to be consistent about it. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's um, generous, a generous way of framing it around. It, it It is nice for the other people to know it's consistent. Like, oh, this is something I can hang on to is like something I want to come back to. Or if I want to invite someone the next time, instead of me, I'm going to tell them to go to this. It's kind of a nice thing where they can start to plan that out. Yeah. Um, super interesting. 
Yeah. And it's a little bit harder to describe too. Like, so that's another thing why I think there's benefits Mm. to being consistent because then like slowly, hopefully the word gets out a little bit um, of like what it's like and what to expect, et cetera. Yeah. But, um, well, it's funny, even like hearing you talk about when you were like March of 2020, it's funny because when people say things, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about certain things that happened. (laughs) And like, during the pandemic, I did, I hosted virtual events that I just did for fun. So I did my virtual version of what I'm doing now. When I was at home in my parents' house in Connecticut in 2020, I was bringing people together. And then similarly kept kind of iterating that on that. And one of the things that I really found to be interesting is the question around books of what is one book Mm -hmm. that has made a difference for you um, or made a profound difference for you. And so I started to center events just around that. And that was really interesting because people came back, even though they had been before, they came with a different book because they were like, oh, well, other books have also made a profound impact on me. And I found that question to be so fascinating because people could really tell their story with it or part of their story that maybe they don't talk about that often. And yes, so I think it's interesting because it's like, as you're as you're sharing like, oh, these, this time, this is what I was thinking about. I'm like, oh, actually I, I have been doing this for longer. And it's just been in different ways and it's all been up to now and the lessons that I've been learning now to make the flower party that I had with my girlfriends last week as great as it was because I've been learning these lessons along the way. Uh, And it does take time and practice. So, And they blend together, which is really cool too. I think like that, Mm -hmm. like that, that's just in general has been like this really cool thing with this role where I'm like, wow, I'm kind of doing the stuff that I would do anyways. Like, and that's been kind of just a general aha of like, community roles that the right community role can feel like you know like it, it to, in my mind it like roles like this didn't really exist as much kind of pre-pandemic do you yeah. do you yeah, feel would, similar yeah I would agree I mean I think um I didn't know about them if they did like <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny because when I was looking for my next role in like 2021 I felt like there was this point where uh I was connected to a couple of folks who had community in their title after expressing what I wanted to do somehow, you know, I could probably go back through the email chains of figuring out who was the first person to say, you should connect with this person and this person. Um, but Yuval Yardin was someone who I know was like maybe the first head of community that I had talked to. I think that's her title. And I felt like after that call, I was in a theater and someone had just peeled back the curtain And I turned my head around and I was like, oh my God, all my people are right back here. And I had no idea they were behind this curtain this entire time. These people who value the work that I do and like value being a people person and that that's like something that could be a part of a job more full time. And like, I just felt like it was like, I peeled back, I peeled back this curtain and there were all these people back there. And I also thought, what a shame that I had to peel back a curtain and I had to go through all these different conversations Mm -hmm. in order to get there. And I think in the last year and a half, the industry as a whole has done a a lot to make that more accessible for people who are curious about community roles to find each other. I think community Twitter is so fascinating because it's quite public what people are working on and what they're curious about. I think that you do a great job on Twitter um, or even LinkedIn, even more particularly, where you kind of list some of the takeaways from after hosting an event Um, And I think that's such a valuable way to even just for yourself, go back to your Twitter so that when 
a year and a half from now, I say, oh, remember in October when you were hosting those events, I wonder what your first takeaways were from the first few podcast events that you did. And there's a public record out there, of, you know, for you to go back to, but also for others to learn from. And yeah, I, I don't know if it's not, I think community roles existed for sure, but they had a different, uh, it, it was different. I don't think they were being built from day one as much as they are now, that's for sure. Um, and I think community manager roles, my first thought around them was the folks that, um, you know, are, are the community managers that a WeWork. Uh, that's the first experience I ever had with that title. Uh, and I remember actually being in college and hearing about that. I, I always thought that we work with such an interesting concept because you put all these people in one space together that in theory on paper aren't really meant to all be in one space because <laughs> they're all on different paths and they're suddenly all in the same, you know, building and whatever. And um, yeah, so that's that's where I first remember hearing about it. But I still think even that role is is different than what we're talking about right now. Yeah. And so community Twitter, that's just like uh, a hashtag or that's uh, different people that kind of tweet about community role learnings and experiences. Yeah, yeah like hashtag community, hashtag CMGR. Um, those are kind of the two big ones, I would say. Yeah. Um, what other resources have been um, helpful for you? You mentioned kind of like talking to you all was like an aha. Mm -hmm. What else? What else is like, what else would you say to someone that's like looking to break in as like yeah. other resources? Yeah, totally. Um, well, I have a whole uh, Medium article about this. I would be happy to share with everyone uh, because like you said, David, like it's it's hard um, when you're when you're looking into this for the first time and you're like, oh my gosh, like there's like buzz around this and I'm not a part of it yet. <laughs> uh, and so one of them would be following you know, some of these folks on Twitter. Um, I would also say Community Club, CMX, those are two, I'm in their Slack channels. I know that they have different parts to them as well. I think FeverB also has like a community platform that folks can connect with other community leaders. I find that to be really helpful because you can kind of be like a lurker and a fly on the wall in these Slack channels where you see what other people are talking about what they're struggling with, what they um, are giving advice on. There's a section of the community club Slack that's called hashtag community questions. And that's where I get the most value out of it is just hearing what other people are thinking about being able to contribute as I can to people's questions. You know, sometimes they'll be like, oh, does anyone have an example of a product roadmap? And I'm like, yep, here it is. <laughs> and I can share a little bit about the thinking behind how we landed on ours at Groove. Um, so that's one place. And then, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot uh, to be said about figuring out your section of community. Uh, so one of the things that we've actually been playing with in the last few days, and maybe you've seen my tweets, is I'm really loving this idea of social health and what does it mean to be socially healthy? Um, similar to how we talk about physical health and mental health and how important those are, what does it mean to be socially healthy and to kind of fill your buckets in different types of connections? Um, there's this you know huge loneliness epidemic that we know about. There's folks that are, um, you know, talking about missing their coworkers, uh, people talking about weak ties. There's all these different phrases out there for like, why is it important to talk to strangers or weak ties, meaning folks that you know, but like don't know everything about them or, you know, you're not quite friends yet. Um, and like those conversations are just so interesting to me in this community space and how that ties into my work. And I think that there are many other topics like that. When you talk about like community leaders, I'm talking about like, um, you know, Kat Velos is someone who I admire, Priya Parker, you know, some of these people that are really talking about loneliness and the 
as Priya would say, the art of gathering. Um, and so others, I think, might say, you know what, the the niche of this that I'm like really excited about is more the data the data side of like how do we take these incredible insights we're learning about people and help them have better connections. And like, that's the piece of it that I get amped up about. And so I think that like a lot of people get amped up about different things. Um, you know, there's a whole part about M NFTs and like, how is like there a community world around all of that? And I, I think that there's all these different sections because I would look for who are the people talking about the bigger topics that you're curious about in the community space, because you can't listen to everyone. It's such a big space, but what is it that you really care about and, and the topics that you care about? How about you? What would you say, you know, from your perspective, would be kind of the steps you would take as a new community leader? Yeah, I, I, I think it, I think that that's a really good point about like who are the leaders and or like the general like topics that you're really interested in. I think of like there's kind of different types of the role that mm -hmm. I think are really interesting, whether that's like community growth, community operations, or member experience. And I think you and I both probably focus on kind of member experience a lot more, but also community growth, I think is, is from what I can gather, is a big piece of what you do in terms of like really getting the word out, um, et cetera. Um, so I think like, yeah, there's like knowing where you kind of stack in that perspective and it's like, where do you kind of like veer a little bit more and then thinking about like, well, what does like a really high quality member experience look like or what does a really high quality growth vehicle look like where people are just coming to you because of the word is out kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah and i think like you were saying before too it is interesting because you can test out a lot of those like member experience assertions and thoughts on smaller scale things that like if you're like oh what is it like to get a warm welcome into an event or into a space. Well, David here was my <laughs> welcomer at my community leader event a couple of weeks ago. He offered to go stand by the door and welcome folks in as they came in. And that was not a piece that I was even thinking about yet inside Groove, that's a huge piece of it is we offer a few different ways for you to get a warm welcome. And so um, it's interesting because even if you don't have that role yet and you're you know in some other role or you wanna like start to play and experiment with things, See what it looks like to host a gathering of sorts, invite 12 people, and six of them get a warm welcome and six of them don't, and see what you learn from that. You know, comparing a little bit of apples to oranges, but I do think that um, as community leaders, you can start to kind of test out those things in smaller groups, even in person, that aren't your role quite yet if you don't have that, if you want to start to play with, with more of like, yeah, what is it like to do this? Yeah. The experimenting is a huge part of the role is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that <laughs> At was, least for me. <laughs> yeah. And that was one of your main takeaways in this one blog post around one year reflections. Other two were lead with your heart and then listen to your community, which is there anything else that you want to like talk about as a reflection on like kind of one year in the role? Well, I definitely want to challenge. I wanted to challenge you on your part too. If we can okay. go back to that. <laughs> um because I think it's actually really interesting. One of the things, you know, like you said is, um, and so to be clear my, to my, do we want, should we yes. label what, uh, let's, let's label the number two. Yeah. So number two <laughs> of my reflections on a LinkedIn post that quickly put out there, but basically it was saying, make yourself available as, as, as available as you can. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And I think it connects to what I was going to share around, um, like 
building this with your community members. I think that's a big thing that a lot of community leaders talk about is like, build this with your community members, not just for them. And so it doesn't look like um, having this like shiny silver platter and being like, here community members, this is what we built for you. What do you think? Instead, it's figuring out like, what is the UX research that goes into that, especially as a you know product, like having an app. Uh, we have a lot of UX research that goes into us making decisions about new changes to make into the app because it does take a lot of labor on the team and a lot of energy and thoughts and stuff. So um, we are very, very much building this with our community. And so it connects to your point here because it's a lot of gathering insights all the time. And so I, I wanted to hear a little bit more about how you do that because on Groove, it's funny because I get to do a lot of that just by grooving, as you mentioned, like, oh, how many times did you groove today? I grooved four or five times today. I don't even remember at this point. And, um, and it was great because each time I had a different experience, and I was able to learn different things. There were two people that have only, they've grooved less than five times. And I actually wrote to my team, a couple of insights that I got from grooving together. And so we can now act on those or take them into consideration the next time we do our full on research. Um, so yeah, I want to hear a little bit about, I guess, why, yeah, why make yourself as available as you can. And what have you learned from doing that? Yeah, I think it ties into like the first point around uh well at 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 the end of the day what i was saying there was around like relationship building um mm-hmm. and so i've like shared my calendly link and the calendly like i think there's it's possible to say like hey only 24 hours in advance um notice so to speak until but i found that when i don't know how like the number of people or whatever but like until they eventually say like hey i want to talk to david but like if it happens in the same day, to me, there's something going on and they want to chat with me. And so those ones, those calls, I think are the most interesting. It's not the right word, but they're something's going on and they want to talk. And so I think if you, if I was to say, nah, here's my calendar. I only talk to people on Friday. They would have been like, okay, I've already moved on or whatever. So like those calls I really like because I'm like, oh, like you wanted to talk to me in an hour what's up? Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I mean, granted it's nine to five, so there's probably, there's some boundaries I'm setting, obviously. But... <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh... Right. So someone can literally schedule a call with you for an hour from now in theory. Yeah. And it happens. That's fascinating. That is not how I operate. Um, I am. Yeah. I, I have a very colorful Google calendar that is very much planned out. I don't leave a lot of room for serendipity in, in my days, or even, I don't have a Calendly. I don't have a one-on-one way for community members to meet up with me, but it is interesting because when I hop into a groove, if you're connected with me on groove, if, if we've grooved together before, or I introduce myself to all of the new groovers. So it would be odd if you weren't connected to me. Um, those folks are all getting notifications when I hop into a groove so that they can go ahead and join me there. But you've got the off chance that there are two other people, not the off chance. There's, It's very probable that two other people will join us as well. So it'll fill up as a four-person groove, in which case you no longer get that private time with me. So it is really interesting just to hear how much you emphasize that because that is not something that I've I've emphasized. Um, but I do think that it's I'm you. Un- I'm in a unique position in that I have such an easy way to like meet up with groovers. Uh, I click the button and it's like, oh, I'm getting shit done over the next 50 minutes. And I'm also connecting with you and going through the shared experience. Uh, so we do get to stay in touch quite a bit. But as you mentioned, it's not the one-on-ones, like if someone is actually kind of going through something. But 
I also think it it points out that there are differences in what our community needs and the spaces that they need. Um, for me, support might look more like cheering them on on a really tough day. And so I've had that where a group will hop on where they'll message me and say, hey, I'm having a really tough day. Uh, would you like to go on a, hop on a group with me? And I'll say, sure. And we go on and we have a really fun, productive 50 minutes. And they say, thank you so much for doing that. I needed that today. And you might get a similar sentiment at the end of the one hour that you have with folks um, where they, yeah, they need that type of support and you were able to provide that for them. But it's just, yeah, it's just interesting. I, I yeah. guess I am glad that I don't have to be that available because it would actually make my mind go bonkers if my if my calendar was up to the 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 community members to decide what happens in the next hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I'll change. Maybe that's, you know, uh, I'm not and, saying and, one's better than the other. <laughs> I'm just saying it sounds like there are different needs. And yeah. if that works for you, that works for you. Does it work for you? That's what I want to, that's really what I want to know is does that work for you? I don't think it's really gotten in the way. And probably I will like I will likely adopt adapt it mm-hmm. to maybe say like you know, there's only certain days, but I don't know. I, I kind of like the spontaneity of it and I don't know. So is there anything else that you think that we missed? I know we we're like just getting started, but, and I do want to hear I about the- this, this all day long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you want to hear about? What's a recent book that's kind of changed your life? Um, I would say The Power of Ritual by Casper mm. Turkile. Have you read it? No. Oh, it's, I had the pleasure actually of going to listen to him speak a few weeks later at a creative mornings event, which was really special and not planned at all. I had just read his book. And then I actually wrote a medium article where I took away my favorite takeaways. And then I saw like two days later, him tweet that he was going to be at this thing. And I was like, I get to meet him and tell him how much of an impact this book left on me. But I think the high level is that ritual is something that's been a part of people's lives for hundreds and hundreds of years. And some of the structures where we experience some of the most powerful rituals are no longer as normal to be a part of or as regular or accessible. They don't even exist. And the challenge of how to create powerful rituals in our daily lives or um, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis with people that we care about is something that just lights me up. So Highly would recommend if you're as fascinated by rituals as I am. Cool. And uh, if people wanted to learn about Groove and if they wanted to learn about your events and how could people continue to to learn? I know we're, again, just getting started and you share a lot of great insights and stuff, but where else can people? Yeah, for sure. Well, um, definitely check out Groove. It's groove.oo, like out of office. Uh, and if you mention this podcast, my name, whatever, we'll make sure that you get right in. Uh, there is a short little application to build trust in the community, but I trust that all of you listeners are cool people that would have fun grooving inside. <laughs> and um, and then if you want to follow me on social, it's Hey Tay Hair, uh, Hey Tay H A R, on Twitter, Medium, LinkedIn, all that good stuff, and that's where I'll share mostly stuff about my events and things. Um, but if you want to check out my website, it's taylor-harrington.com. Awesome! Thank you so much, Taylor. Thank you. This was a blast. I appreciate it. Hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter. LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, 
I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.